Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth. I'm always amazed at how Christians rationalize things when they're contrary to the Word of God. And they say, but, but you know, God brought, God did. God is the one that's, wait, wait, wait. God's not the author of confusion. He doesn't contradict himself. So we go from an objective judgment to a subjective judgment of emotions and subjectivism to rationalize my sin and my disobedience. What a sad commentary. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Samson had the distinction of being the only one of a series of judges of Israel to have been prophetically announced by the angel of the Lord. However, Samson didn't seem to be cooperating with God in embracing his life's mission of delivering Israel from the oppression of the Philistines. Samson, though he had great physical strength, had little mental force and was easily overcome by temptation. Even still, as God is not the author of confusion, Pastor Xavier illustrates how God's purposes never go unfulfilled on today's Simple Truths. Let's listen. The most important decision a person will ever make is to accept or reject Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, for this will affect them for all eternity. The second most important decision a person will ever make is who they marry, affecting the remainder of their life here. Samson, the 12th judge, had been born according to the prophecies that we've seen. Now he has grown, and he's a man, and the Spirit of God had begun to move upon him at Mahani Dan, the camp of Dan, between Zorah and Eshtol, when he decided to marry a non-believing woman, a Philistine. Tragically, too many Christians with a spiritual potential, sometimes a great spiritual potential, like Samson, they never accomplished all that God had in store for them because of being self-will, choosing for themselves things that were really contrary to the Word of God. What we want to do is look at the compromise of Samson to marry a pagan woman of the Philistines, and it unfolds for us in three scenes here. Let me read verse 1 through 4. Now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Tibna of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore, get her for me as a wife. And then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she pleases me well. But his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord that he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines, for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. The compromise of Samson to marry a pagan woman of the Philistines is given to us in three scenes. First, the lust of the eye, verse 1. The second scene the lust of the flesh, verse 2. The third scene is the pride of life, 
verse 3 and 4. First scene, the lust of the eye. The man Samson is presented as a contradiction to his name. Now Samson went down to Timnah. As you know, Samson means like the sun. The light of the sun helps dispel the darkness of the night. It does a great job. But the light of the sun also is needful for the existence of life. Samson instead chose to walk in disobedience to God and his word, darkness. He will defile himself with a dead body, the carcass of a lion in verse 6. He will eat the defiled honey of the lion's carcasses in verse 8 and 9. And he will give some of that same honey to his parents, defiling them without informing them of that in verse 9 also. He'll partake of drink at his wedding feast in verse 10. All of these broke the Nazarite vow, which was for life for him. He was raised very specifically, even as Samuel. Now the man Samson went down to Timnah. Timnah was a Philistine town, as you know. It means portion, a town in the hill country of Judah. And the reference to went down is to the geographical descent, of course, to the city of Timnah. The distance being about four miles east of Zara, the home of Samson. All close proximity, as we've seen, and we'll know it again. But the phrase went down is interesting. It appears five times in this chapter, revealing Samson felt at home in the enemy's camp of the Philistines, a friend of the world. But it depicts really what happens when a believer goes down into the world. He goes down spiritually. God told the Egyptians, you'll never go back to Egypt. Egypt is a type of the world. Now, we live in the world, but we're not of the world. The boat belongs in the water, but when the water gets in the boat, the boat gets in trouble. We've seen this very, very often. Samson spent all his life in this close vicinity of his hometown, the furthest being Ascalon and Gaza, one to pay a debt, the other one to see a prostitute, as we'll see later on. Now notice the man Samson gave in and pursued what caught his eye. And he saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Samson was disarmed by the sight of this woman. Samson saw a woman, <laughs> perceived, he observed, he considered and gave attention to her. Now, this is natural. There is um, nothing wrong with this in and of itself. God created Adam and Eve and established a heterosexual relationship between a man and a woman to repopulate the earth through natural attraction. When God brought Eve to Adam, he said, This is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man in Genesis 2.23. So there is no uh, prohibition by God to not be attracted to the opposite sex. But he gives us guidelines and he gives us reasons why we should be joined to some and not to others as believers. 
As you know, men are moved more by what they see than what they feel, and a woman is moved more by what she feels than what she sees. We're two different creatures wired totally different. Though it is interesting in our perverted world today that a lot of this natural design by God is being tweaked and contorted so that many women are moved so much more by what they see today along with what they feel because of the corruption that's in our society. Now Samson, his disobedience wasn't yielding to the attraction to the pagan woman. This should have been his first check in obedience to God. It's not the first look that comes to our eye that is the prohibition by God. That is not the problem. There are many things that will catch our eye as we walk through this life. It's the second, the third thereafter that will entice us to ignore the first check and be ensnared by the next steps. Samson went beyond the test of God to tempting himself. James 1 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. He's talking to Christians. So no believer can say, well, God tempted me. God ordained this. No. I tempt myself. God tests me. I tempt myself. Now this woman was a daughter of the Philistines, and she's nameless. There's no name to her. The Philistine cutie here caught the eyes of a powerful and feared Samson, causing him to drool all over himself. The Philistines were their constant enemies of the people of God, Israel. This union of being unequally yoked had the highest prohibition of being pursued for the people of God. Samson fell in love with a pagan woman. Can you help who you fall in love with? Absolutely by who you hang out with, by what the standards of God is. You have no business going down to Timnah. It's simple. The believer in Christ is married to Christ until God brings them, their husband or wife. We are his bride. The scriptures are very clear. Ephesians, Corinthians, many others. Jesus is our groom. In fact, Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, 1 through 3 says, For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your words or your mind may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now you remember all the carnal stuff that was going on in Corinth, Okay. And Paul feared and he warned them. The unbeliever's morality is altogether different than the believer. And I presume that the majority of us were not raised in Christ. The unbeliever's morality is altogether different 
The unbeliever does not believe in sexual purity. It's an upside-down nation, an upside-down society. The unbeliever does not believe their body, mind, and soul belongs to God. It's theirs. We have no right to judge. That's bigotry, that's self-righteousness, that's prudism. Ephesians 4, 17 and 19 says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, emptiness, having their understanding dark and being alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. You remember? I remember. That's where I live. People say, well, you know, people, what if they don't know about God? Really? Well, Romans 1, 20 and 21 says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. From creation, man is without excuse. Because although they knew God, oh, and they knew God at one time, but they've moved away from him. They did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And so in 24 through 28 of Romans 1, he says, Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves with who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worship and serve the creature and the creator who is blessed forevermore. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burning in their lust for one another, men and with men committing things what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to debased minds to do those things which are not fitting. Scene one, Samson gave in to the lust of the eye. Secondly, comes scene two, the lust of the flesh. Look at verse two. Samson could not wait to tell his parents about the woman he was in love with. So he went up and told his father and his mother, it says. He probably could not stop thinking about her. You know how it is when you get infatuated and you just see someone that you know for the first time or whatever it is as you're growing up? It, it, it's strong. The distance was not far, about four miles, even though it was an ascent. I'm sure he got there fast. He should have been recognizing that the woman he desired was sin in the eyes of God. But he was not. See, when you don't take the first check, then it makes it harder as you go along. And before you know it, the last thing on your mind is God. He's not even in the room. He should have been grieved in his heart in disobeying the word of God. But he was not. He was not even thinking about God, but only himself. This is the weakness of Samson. The middle letter of the word sin is I. A major flock character for Samson. For him, it was all about him. 
being self-will and carnal. The woman at Timnah pleased him, so he decided to marry her in spite of knowing God's will and his Nazarite vow. Verse 10. He was obligated to pay the debt that he lost by the riddle, so he gave in to his rage and killed 30 Philistines to meet his debt payment. Verse 19. He sought to justify his revenge because of his disappointment resulting from a self-will in verse 3 of chapter 15 as his bride was given away to someone else and they had burned her father's house and her. He that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls, Proverbs 25, 28, open for destruction. Walls protect. Notice Samson dishonored his parents with what he believed to be good news. It's all a matter of perception, isn't it? Saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. He told them he had been captivated by a certain woman in Timnah. The phrase I have seen her indicates a strong attraction. There should have been again the first check, as we said, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. Now the usual custom, as you know, was that the parents were the ones to initiate the arrangements for a marriage in that culture. They probably searched their minds at this point as to who they knew in Timnah, who was of Israel that lived there. They were stumped. Who could it be? Notice he declared the remaining words, which were worse than the first, a bombshell. Of the daughters of the Philistines, ooh, the Philistines were the enemies of God. It's like a daughter telling your a father, Dad, I'm, I'm going to get married. And a big smile comes on her face and she says, I'm pregnant. Oh, well, that takes all the joy away from it, doesn't it? Same thing here. Shamgar had killed 600 Philistines with an ox goat and delivered Israel in chapter 3, verse 31. Enemies of God. Israel had been corrupted by the Philistines with the worship of their gods in chapter 10, verse 6. Now Samson's going to marry a Philistine? God had handed Israel over to the hands of the Philistines in judgment in chapter 10, verse 7. I'm always amazed at how Christians rationalize things when they're contrary to the word of God. And they say, but, but you know, God brought, God did. God is the one that's, wait, wait, wait. God's not the author of confusion. He doesn't contradict himself. So we go from an objective judgment to a subjective judgment of emotions and subjectivism to rationalize my sin and my disobedience. The parents of Samson knew what the angel of the Lord had told them regarding Samson. These things are going in their mind as he's talking. He was to be a Nazarite from birth till death, chapter 13, 5 through 7, 13 and 14. He was to begin to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines, chapter 13, verse 5. It says he would begin because God knew he would never finish. Now, either God predestined Samson to sin in this marriage, 
or Samson chose to rebel against God. There's only A and B. You're going to blame God or Samson? If you're a Calvinist, you're going to blame God. You have to, even if you don't want to. If you believe in the free will of man, then you have to go with Samson. Notice he ordered his parents to go and make the arrangement for him to marry the Philistine woman. Now, therefore, get her for me as a wife. Samson flat out commanded his parents to be part of his compromise in marriage now. Now, this brings a lot of difficulties in families. Samson is not asking for advice or permission. He, if he should marry this woman, Samson is telling his parents he is going to marry this woman. Samson's parents must have been taken back at this point, having all the revelation and all the upbringing, all the preparation of God. Samson was doing certain things by this command to his parents. He was denying all of his preparation and enabling by God as the 12th judge of Israel. He was rejecting his call of a Nazarite till death, and he was ignoring the clear will of God for his life. Samson was asking his parents certain things by his command to them also, for them to disobey God, for them to ignore the revelation of the angel of the Lord, for them to not be so self-righteous. Something's never changed, do they? I am amazed of how many parents have bowed to their children in Christ. We raised our children. We understood what God's word says. We knew what God did for us out of the 70s and 60s and the 80s. And then I've seen parents become permissive with their kids and their kids command them or persuade them and they go along with their children. Wow, what a sad commentary. David is a classic example of um, the first look being ignored and flaming his passions to have full reign that let the suffering and pain for the rest of his life. Well, I know he has forgiven. Forgiveness is never the problem. It's the baggage. It's the things you have to live with and all those who are affected by it. I have seen many Christian sons and daughters just like Samson, having been raised in godly homes, having the benefit of godly parents, having the privilege of being taught the word of God as they've come to church since they were little, having the audacity to believe that their parents are going to be excited and happy for them as they want to marry a non-believer. Proverbs 9.12 says, If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you will bear it alone. I wish you could listen to all the problems of Christians that marry unbelievers being self-willed. Proverbs 22a says, He who sows iniquity will reap sorrow, and the rod of his anger will fail. The heart knows its own bitterness, and a stranger does not share its joy. Proverbs 14.10 Pastor Xavier Reese 
demonstrating with Samson the dangers of compromise when veering from the safety of the will of God. More simple truths from our study series of the book of Judges. You can hear this message again, if you like, online anytime by selecting today's date at the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And we've had to break only partway through this study, but if your schedule will permit you to tune in next time for the conclusion, as always, you can pick up your own personal copy. And the title you want to ask for is simply, Samson, the Self-Willed Man. It's available on CD for just $4. Now that title once again is, Samson, the Self-Willed Man. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us next time for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com